The Con Guy Show, the official program of theconguy.com, is heard on the Weeby Geeks Collective and on sci-fi.radio. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Of the myriad pop culture podcasts, there is one that blends in with them all. Flying under the radar, nagging at you at a subconscious level. Nerd Bliss, where four hosts from the Deep South and anyone that can get to appear for store brand coffee and corn nuts talk about science fiction, pop culture, current affairs, and more. You can find us at nerdblisspodcast.com or on the ESO network. Nerd Bliss, it's one word. We're the Con Guys, and this is the Con Guy Show, coming to you straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California. And this is Jim with theconguy.com. She's been here with theconguy.com. Katie here, aka the Con Girl. Zordon did not want five teenagers with attitude. My name is Derek Sam. I'm Danae Sams, and that's my brother. We are your home for news opinions, and interviews from the world of Comic-Cons and fandoms, your ultimate insiders for all things Steven Spielberg created the modern blockbuster with Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. George Lucas then created his own blockbuster franchise with Star Wars before it was called A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. They were the two biggest forces in movies at the time, and they decided to work on something together. What we got was a rip-roaring, crowd-pleasing, epic adventure that forever changed action movies and cemented Harrison Ford as the biggest star hub of his era. Welcome to the Kondai Show. We have a couple more people who will be joining us, but for now, I am Jim Fry. I'm one of your co-hosts here. We are coming to you straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California. So welcome to the Con Guy Show. We are the official podcast of theconguy.com here on that hashtag network. Your home for discussion and views on fandom, comic books, pop culture, and anything you can geek out on. We approach our show from a filmmaker's perspective. And since we're all wrapped up somehow in the entertainment industry, let's see who else we have with us tonight. Derek. Hey, I'm Derek Sams. I am a regular on the Con Guy Show and a contributor to theconguy.com. All right. Who do we have below Derek BK421? Hey, what's up, everyone? It's old buddy Ben. And, uh, oh, quick reminder, of course, we're on that hashtag show's network. And our show, uh, as always, as any programming, is brought to you by the fine folks over at Neft Vodka. Neft. Uh, reminding you to please drink responsibly. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> and join us, Katie. Yeah, Jim didn't want me to be on the show tonight because he didn't send me the link. So I'm finally here, late to the party. But yeah, how's everybody doing? I'm happy to be back here. I think it's been a few weeks, right? Oh, it's been a many it, few weeks. It has yeah. been. Yeah. So. You're fashionably late, Katie. Yeah. Yep. You are the con girl. And not in cosplay. Like one, like one of the few cosplayers here. And I am not in cosplay because I have been busy all day. But you've been busy doing something really cool, though. Yeah, so, you know, but, yeah, working on side stuff, but. All right, 
up there with the really cool facts. Cheeseman. Guys, I have to go let my roommate in to the garage because I totally forgot. So I'll be right back. We're <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. No worries. Who we got? Who we got in the Watch corner? Up for spears. <laughs> rolling, rolling boulders. Uh, this is Junior. <laughs> Indiana Cheeseman right here. Uh, excited to talk about Indiana Jones, screenwriter, and here with theconga.com, one of the founding members. That's right. And you got some really cool effects going on there. I like all the glowing up in your face. Let's, let's, let's see if we can do that. Still the layout. Ooh, kind of spooky. So we are, um, by the way, Ben and Luke, I got to give you guys super duper props on on the cosplay right now that is amazing i think ben the one of the first times i met you you were in a in indiana jones cosplay it's possible so i met you at a con early on yes yeah at a con specifically because we knew each other outside of cons but yeah yeah uh that was one of my first big cosplays that weekend that was uh wondercon 2015 i believe and that weekend i basically busted out my first kind of official official cosplays that i worked on myself and Day one was 1990s X-Men Cyclops in the blue tights with the yellow trim. And then uh, day two was uh, was this bad boy right here, this uh, indie. Uh, so, yeah. Still one of my favorites. Oh, my gosh. Myself. Hey, guys. And for those of you – wait, let's go into the comment section and say hello to people. Oh, Nathan, comments. Nathan Rita, so cool to see you. Amanda Yallen, we are so gl glad to see you. And Amanda sent us some cool stuff from her dad tonight that that we're going to uh, go over on the cool. show. Her dad used to work for Fox and has some cool behind-the-scenes uh, knowledge about the indie film. And then, of course, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Always excited to see Kat. Always excited. Hey, <clears throat> one thing that people might be asking is, why don't you use the classic indie theme music for your podcast tonight? We would, but YouTube would kick us right off. So we yep. we got to not do that. But if you want to hear our our podcast online, our um, audio version of our podcast, we'll try to add a little bit of that cool indie music in there because nobody cares what you do online on, on there. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Amanda. Happy birthday, Amanda. <laughs> you know what's going to be funny is when, when Brad doesn't say it on her actual birthday. Her actual birthday. <laughs> I know. And since this is a happy hour, I have the closest facsimile I could find to the uh, That's the grail. carpenter. It's there too shiny, though. I mean, it's the right shape, so I'll, 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 I'll accept it. <laughs> I was right. the holy grail of fast food restaurants earlier, and that's why I have this cup from In-N-Out. Raiders of the Lost Ark was a staggeringly unexpected box office success, blowing away all the competition in the summer of 1981. It's hard to think. 40 years ago this week, on June 11th, 1981, it came out, dominating the movie houses for over a year. Remember back in the day, movies would stay in movie houses a lot longer because we didn't have all the multiplexes. And it wasn't all about opening weekend back then either. It redefined the landscape with George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, the, their collaboration working as a perfect update to the classic serial movies of the 30s and 40s. And it brought them to life as an epic, globe-trotting, rip-roaring adventure, brimming with superb stunts and thrilling set pieces and enjoying a fabulously witty script and iconic performances. Guys, let's briefly talk about when were you first 
you know, filled with the fire for Indiana Jones. Do you guys remember your first time seeing the movie? That is, you when never you forget the first time. Oh, <laughs> I honestly could not say. Like, I just feel like it was always a part of life. Like going to mm -hmm. my grandparents and seeing it there. I think I saw versions taped off of TV um, on, you know, back when we used a VCR to watch movies. Um, Video cassette recorder. That's right. <laughs> and um, at one point, Meemaw had actually bought the the Last Crusade on VHS. I think the others were just taped off TV. Although Temple of Doom, we watched when it was a rental, and I only watched most of it because my parents made me leave the room during the really scary gross parts. I wasn't allowed to watch the second one either, Derek. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, and of course, covered my eyes because you know I had to close my eyes just like Indy and Marion when when the um, Ark of the Covenant was opened up because you know I you don't want to risk it, right? Yeah, I was like, I don't understand why people would sit in a theater and watch this when obviously, from what the movie says, you're not supposed to. That's true. <laughs> anyway, all that to say, I was very young and I don't remember when I started. I don't know my first actual like actual memory i just know i watched last crusade as many times as i possibly could growing up because it was my favorite and it's still my favorite to this day um and then i remember watching raiders and of course you can't forget watching that as a little kid because it's a very memorable movie and i just remember growing up liking having the fascination of archaeology and history because of the Indiana Jones movies. Like, I know I was like, do I want to major in history? Yeah. Be like, be like Indiana Jones. Like I, I did briefly think about it in college because he's probably one of the coolest historians I know of from, from TVs and movies and stuff like that. So Hi, why'd you make me big Ben? Or, uh, and then I also like Derek, I, my parents didn't like me, didn't let me watch the second one because it was so much, it was so dark and, satanic if you want to say and we're going to talk cool. about that in just a second yeah so but i think that that's probably one of the franchises like you know some people grew up with star wars which you know i did that too but i feel like i resonated more with indiana jones than the other ones so ben i'm super curious about you uh yeah actually my story is kind of similar to derek's i don't like specifically remember the first time i saw Indiana Jones or, or which movie it was even first. I think I'm pretty sure I saw Raiders first, which one thing I find interesting is that the movie is called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The second one is Indiana Jones, and the Temple of Doom. The third one is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And then there aren't any others after that. And <laughs> uh, but it's funny because in most of the advertising since when they've sold them in box sets, the cover art will usually say Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, which to me seems like a little bit more of a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it doesn't really make sense either because he's technically one of the Raiders. Technically, yeah. The Lost Ark. Yeah. The, the title does refer to, in fact, basically the antagonist and the protagonist uh, in that uh, story. But um, they don't just say Indiana Jones, like if it's the, if it's the trilogy, or are you talking about just the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark says that Raiders of the Lost Ark on on cover art now. If you get the individual copy okay. of it, it'll say now in the if you actually watch the film, it still just says Raiders of the Lost Ark at the beginning at the opening of the film. Um, but as we said, as I said a few uh, 
couple weeks ago when we were talking about our top Lucasfilm moments, one right. of my favorite moments. And I have another interesting fact to share later when we're talking fun facts and behind the scenes stuff. But one of my favorite moments on screen was when he gets in the plane at the beginning. Well, first of all, Alfred Molina is betrayed oh, at the opening of the movie. And then he's got a spike through his head, which is incredible. His very and, first credited role ever. Exactly. Doc Ock. And we, yeah. uh, I think we'll be seeing Doc Ock again in the next Spider-Man film. So we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah. So then uh, he gets out, he runs out, he's running away from the natives. Uh, he gets in the plane and he's like, there's a big snake in the plane, which is such, I think it's just good writing because that sets up. That's just a little funny throwaway moment that sets up later in the film when they got the Cobras and the Asps mm -hmm. down in the Ark of the Covenant. And it's, it's just, you know, Jim, to me, it, it was a lot of the reason why I liked things like star Wars or any kind of like pirate movie or Swiss family Robinson or something like that. It was just this rugged adventure. There were animals. There was a mystical aspect to it. Um, one of my favorite gifts to use, and it's pronounced GIF, uh, when I respond to somebody and they, they tell me something amazing over text. Hey, I just got this job or something like that. Or, hey, they just announced something, something really awesome. I always send the GIF of Dr. What's-His-Name going, ah, and his face just melting off. <laughs> that's how excited I am. But that that will be a memory that goes back to my earliest memories of watching an indiana jones movie as a child was just ah, and the face melting off i was reading when we were getting ready for the show today about that special effect the face melting that special effect artists all across hollywood got in touch with that guy i forgot the, the special effects guy shame on me just to find out how he did that because they all wanted to either know just because it was cool or films from that time forward wanted to know how to melt faces because they were very excited cheeseman say hello Hi, Mom. Well, speaking of how you heard of Indiana Jones. <laughs> so I don't remember the exact time, place, all that kind of stuff. I just remember I did see Raiders of the Lost Ark as a kid. Did go to Disney World, experienced the Indiana Jones show as a kid. It's very excited about that. Did experience Last Crusade. Kind of similar to Derek, for some reason, I didn't really see Temple of Doom, I think, till I was more in high school. And I watched it with a... Jake, who's often on our show, like Jake, I watched that with him, I think, because he had like a DVD box set. But I mostly watched Raiders of the Lost Ark was always my favorite one. I did want to own it, but I don't know why we never got it. I probably asked for it, Mom, and you didn't get it. But because I remember <laughs> McDonald's had the VHSs that they did of like Back to the Future, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I did get the Back to the Future from that, but we never did get the Indiana Jones. But I did watch that. I'm sure at least a few times, either on VHS or on uh, TV, I think, especially Last Crusade, I think I probably saw on TV, the TV versions mm -hmm. and all that, but definitely grew up on Indy and enjoyed that. And I feel like I saw actually more Indiana Jones than I did Star Wars as a kid. Out of My Mind Creations has said, melting Nazi faces is never not funny. <laughs> and we do want to recognize Amanda said that she was six years old and freaked out when they ate the monkey brains. Um, I mean, how could you not? <laughs> that was one of the most disgusting. But awesome yeah, I don't think that scene bothered me too much, but maybe I don't remember and because I just didn't see it. <laughs> maybe that's one of the scenes that was, you know, <laughs> I was shielded from. And I, 
yeah, Derek's frozen. I, I love let's do this again. Derek just looks so pleasant. Ain't just, technology great. I know. Just to, to share for me, and like I kind of shared this um when we were sharing our 50 greatest moments from Lucasfilm. One of them was seeing Indiana Jones. I'm sorry. Raiders of the Lost Ark at the movie theater. I actually saw this at, at a, an indoor movie theater, and then a few weeks later, I took my, I convinced my mom and dad to go see it, and we always went to the drive-in theater, the same theater we saw Star Wars. So we came back to see Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I remember um, the screen was a little bit dark, so it was kind of hard to see everything. My dad absolutely loved it. My mom was not so crazy about all the snakes, and I remember her saying, that's not as good as Star Wars. <laughs> mom, if you're watching... I, I, I totally different. I don't think you can compare the two, other right. than the fact that they're both Lucasfilm. I do have to say a very special hello to someone who has never watched our podcast before, and I keep on telling him to please say hello in the uh, Derek Charleston is. What? I know. This hour, Derek Charleston. Look what time it is, and he's watching the podcast right now. Wow. He even sent me a screen grab. He goes, um. I told, him to comment, he, <laughs> I told him to comment. He goes, I don't know how. I can barely figure out how to do this. So, <laughs> so Derek, we're glad you're watching. We are so glad you're watching. Hey, just to let you guys know, I am one of the few people, a uh, few, only people on this podcast right now that saw all three movies in the movie theater. It's because I'm old. You know, that's why I have this old carpenter's uh, mug. <laughs> I've got the. The gift of eternal life here. But no, he I was over 5,000 years old. Exactly. <laughs> Luke, your mom can't remember why you didn't get the movie. Dad doesn't either. We have part timers. <laughs> Not all our mind is gone, just parts of it. <laughs> part timers. I love that. I haven't I heard that from them before either. <laughs> I do remember, though, that the um, when, when Temple of Doom came out, like I loved the first movie. Temple of Doom, I was one of those weird kids where I loved that. And for at least 10 years, I called it my favorite movie of all time, nice. especially the big water scene at the end. And I loved the way Indy was just such a badass in that movie. And then years later, I loved Last Crusade. But man, to this day, I have, I have a soft spot for the horror that is Temple of Doom. I love it so much. Oh, it's definitely... Like I hold on. Brad saw all three in the sister, all three in the movie theater too. Nice. I I love I, like I love the whole trilogy, and they're they're all pretty even. But Temple of Doom edges the the other two out just barely for me personally. Yep. 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 I agree. I agree. And we're going to talk about because some... I I don't really care for it, but I didn't watch it until I was older. Well, so... no, he's perfect. Like, and I just remember, because I, I still don't really watch it very much because I don't like it very much, but what? like no. the part where um, Spielberg's wife, it's Spielberg's wife, right? That's screaming constantly in the film. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I, remember, I remember that, and I remember uh, data from Goonies in it, and then I remember like all the really like Short dark round. Yep. I don't remember his name because, like I said, I don't watch that one very no, often. It's not data from Goonies. Data from Goonies is short round from Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, now, we're Jim, talk before you move about... on, uh, I was just so, yeah, you were mentioning you saw them all in the theater. Do you remember what it was like, like seeing kind of like 
the trailers or the posters or what it was like going to theaters where people dressed up or how were people responding to the film, if you have well, any memory I, of that? I do remember, um, I remember people didn't dress up back then. We, we didn't quite reach that level of fandom. That was kind. That level of fandom, I think, is a product of 1999 on when the Phantom Menace had everybody lined up. I think the Phantom Menace kind of began the, the excruciatingly difficult process of what am I gonna wear to see this movie? But, um, and then I think the rise of Marvel Comics kind of and Comic-Cons this past 10 years have elevated. But back then, the one thing I do remember is I was such a big fan of Star Wars and then Empire Strikes Back comes out in 1980. And then 1981, I hear that there's this other movie and we're all waiting with bated breath for the next Star Wars film to come out. And then I remember being angry, me and all my friends, like, what? Why is Harrison Ford doing another film instead of doing the next Star Wars film? And at first, we were really pissed off. We were like, we were kind of mad at him. And then we went to see the movie and we're like, ah, this is great. I remember the next film, um, part two, because it, what's funny is everybody was wait, waiting for the sequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark. And before, and it was there was like four. Let me see. Raiders came out in eighty one. What year did Temple of Doom was? It's eighty four or eighty five. I think one of those years. But nineteen eighty three. Amanda, we need you here. I can tell you very quickly. Nineteen eighty four. Four. Yeah. I, was gonna say, I thought it was eighty four. I've got all these like, tabs open so we can be checking information as we go. Yes, and I remember I um, had just moved to South Carolina. My family had moved south, and so it was the first film that we saw in movie theaters down there. And my uncle was with us, and it was the first week I lived there, and that's when I fell in love with it. But it was so exciting. But and and we'll talk about it in just a second what Katie was talking about. But the thing was, you guys remember there was a film that was kind of like a ripoff of Raiders of the Lost Ark. They came out one year before Temple of Doom. And I remember Siskel and Ebert loved this film that came out, starring Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, and Danny DeVito. Remember that film? Romancing the Stone. Romancing the Stone. Yeah. And Romancing the Stone. Which one wasn't? <laughs> oh, Judo the Nile was okay. But Romancing the Stone was a direct ripoff of Raiders of the Lost Ark. But nobody cared because everybody, and I remember when that movie came out, reading the newspaper accounts, like, this is enough to hold us over until the next indie film. And everybody was like, we can't wait to the next indie film. And then Temple came out, and I do remember everybody was like, Ooh, that was a little bit much for us. That was maybe too much of an indie film. And then, and then when Last Crusade came out, everybody said the best thing in in a generation, and it just kind of like wrapped up the indie trilogy in perfect form. Yeah, go ahead, Ben. You know the the interesting thing about it is, and I think a lot of people know this, but nobody really thinks about it, is that Temple of Doom is actually a prequel. Yes, and to, people saying it the wrong way. To Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah. yeah. Um, because if you watch at the beginning, it gives you the date, and Temple of Doom takes place like two years before... One year. Uh, one year yeah, one year before Raiders of the Lost Ark. So the actual chronological order of the films is Temple of Doom, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Last Crusade, and then no other Indiana Jones I stories after that. For you guys. We are... What's that, Katie? I have a question for you guys, though. Yeah. So there's obviously a very um, big similarity between Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade in the sense that there is a spiritual a artifact, religious artifact, in, yeah. a religious artifact um, in them. And I think I loved that a lot as a kid. I liked that the way they were able to make it, make, make religious content, but not 
a religious movie, if that makes sense. Yep. And I remember liking that as a kid. And Temple of Doom is not. You know, Temple of Doom is a different type of object. And even though I know where Ben doesn't acknowledge the fourth one, the other one does not deal with a religious artifact. It has the more sci-fi element. Yeah. So which do you, so Ben likes the second one better, and Jim, you like the second one better. So do you like it more when he's pursuing more dark sci-fi artifacts or religious artifacts? Go oh, Ben. Okay. Well, one thing I was going to say is question. Technically, um, Temple of Doom does deal with religious artifacts. It's just not. It's just not Judeo-Christo religious artifacts. Yeah, it's right. Eastern religion. Uh, so, and and I don't think it's, I think it's loosely based off of actual Eastern religions, but obviously it's it's been um, embellished and and made into this blood cult where they pull people's hearts out of their chests and But Kali, I believe, is an actual entity or an actual deity in a in belief systems. Um, so it, it does technically have to do with a religious artifact, though those of us who grew up in the West, which is all of us on this show, are more familiar with Old Testament, New Testament, Judeo-Christian artifacts. So it makes sense that we would relate to that more. To break my own rule here and acknowledge the existence of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, that was one thing that that kind of bugged me about it was just that I was like, this this isn't rooted in anything. The other things were rooted in a, a real human spirituality of this planet. It, I think that's what was cool to me about it. It was, it was dealing with our own history. And even though crystal skulls are a thing that have existed on our planet and there are, there is a certain amount of mystery surrounding them, having the weird like spaceship thing at the end of crystal skull where they're all spinning around and the skulls turn into bodies and they're like, wise old whatever they are i was just like i think there's cool parts and fun parts to crystal skull but the whole over overall storyline to me was just like this isn't rooted in anything that's real to us as a human species like spiritual things are that are based on this planet and so i think that's where it kind of lost me yeah and bouncing off of that there's um with the spiritual stuff there was well, for one, they were both related to Judaism while the bad guys were Nazis. Um, mm -hmm. And that tied in an interesting historical dynamic. And there was like, okay, and this was some bad guys that we've all learned about a whole lot more. Some of that is Western, of course. Um, and then also there was this uh, personal connection for the hero. You know, there was Indies having this interesting crisis of faith in a way because at the beginning, he just calls it, you know, mumbo jumbo. And then he comes to realize, oh, there's actually a power here. Um, and some stories have handled that same kind of thing well with sci-fi elements. Um, if you look at the X-Files, it was all, you know, like this person was like, I want to believe. And Scully was the doubter. But then when it came to religious stuff, Scully had this Catholic background and wore the cross necklace and Mulder was the doubter there. Mm -hmm. So, and they've done similar things with, you know, sci-fi stories in, in other franchises but in Indiana Jones, it just seemed to work better, especially when you get to the third one and it comes full circle with his father and the, there was kind of a faith tradition there too. Um, and it just, in some ways it just tied to the character more. And I think for me watching it, that made it somewhat more meaningful. Um, and I think there's also just a lot of other elements that just with the second one and then the, the fourth one that people claim exists that I've just heard about um, 
I don't believe talk about it in just a second, guys. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I have different opinions than you guys do. So. Cool, cool, cool. We'll talk about that in just a second. But Derek, did I? I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I'd say I mean I just with with that one in particular. I think that's probably some of what happened. It was. It's not so much that oh, we only want to see a movie where he's going after religious artifacts. It's more just there wasn't as much of a personal connection for him and the broader like symbolic and meaningful connection that tied into the overall story that the audience was able to connect with. Because as Ben said, there's a mystery about crystal skulls, but it's not as big of a cultural thing, at least for the audiences that would go seeing, would be seeing this film. Yeah. Uh, as something like the Holy Grail that is deeply tied in, you know, a whole lot of, uh, well, I guess near Eastern and Western culture, just within literature and everything, stories that we've grown up hearing. A couple of comments. Amanda says that Steven Spielberg had to teach Kate Capshaw how to scream on set because she didn't know how. I guess that is a skill. I guess that is a skill. And you have to um, be careful because it can hurt your vocal cords. I mean, there's all sorts of things. She, so, she also oh, says that it's her favorite. Oh, hey, I do have to clarify. For 10 years, I claimed that Temple of Doom was my favorite. I was like 14 years old, into like maybe 20. Raiders of the Lost Ark is by far my favorite of the series. Um, maybe it's just so iconic, and maybe it's because I loved the time that I, I saw it. But Temple of Doom is not far behind. I, I, I love that. I love those first three films, and we will discuss the fourth. Derek, you were about to say something. I was going to say, I think my mom has said that she always really liked Temple of Doom. I don't know if it's her favorite. Mm -hmm. I'd be I'd hesitate to you know put words in her mouth. But, um, but yeah, she had always said that she really liked it. And you know there is a lot to appreciate there. I will grant that it's still an entertaining movie in a lot of ways. Right, right. All right, so let's talk about celebrating the 40th anniversary of the first film, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is now, as of 2008, because of the cover art called Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. How many more words can we get into it? It's like I don't like when people add unnecessary ands and the. It's like the the Lord of the Rings, the soldier, blah, 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 blah. No, Jim, those films are perfect. They're perfect, I know, but the names are still too freaking long. No, they're not. All right, but listen, there's something cool, and I'm going to show it right here that is happening this week. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark is coming to 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray, courtesy of Paramount, as part of their lavish Indiana Jones 4 movie collection celebrating the 40th anniversary. It is a nine-disc set. Eight of them are dedicated to wow. movies with trailers on them. The ninth disc, however, has a feature-length Raiders two-part documentary with a making with making of documentaries for all the other films, most of which are also over 40 minutes in length. Nice. This, okay. this is pretty impressive, guys. It just hit uh, the, on the 7th, which was today. For yeah. those of you. <laughs> What's oh. today? It comes out today. I have I another wonder... question for you guys. Oh, go ahead, Cheeseman. I was just saying, I wonder if it has new material because the, the DVD and even the Blu-ray even came with a bonus disc of special features. So I wonder if any of that is new stuff we haven't seen or like you mentioned, that two-hour thing, if that's a combination of different special features that have already been done. But it would be nice to see some new stuff. I'll yeah, tell you what, new. it's in 4K. That's what's new. <laughs> yes, Lucasfilm is enticing buyers with some new bonus content. Part of that documentary is new. It includes a featurette where the legendary sound designer Ben Burt reveals how he brought some of the Raiders' most famous sound effects to life. He's the guy who created R2-D2's beeps, the blaster fire, the lightsaber. Mm, I, that's oh, so no, fascinating. That. 
If you guys have watched things like that before, they're super fascinating to see how they make oh, sound yeah. effects, and they're nothing related to what the actual thing is. It's kind of cool. He says like the slithering snakes in the soul of the the well of souls. Yeah, it was a uh, macaroni and cheese, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like going like 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 made mac and cheese. <laughs> like they made mac and cheese and then squished yeah. it. It was like his wife's mac and cheese, apparently. Like it sounds like he was just recording him at his house. Yeah. No, yeah, that's it's it's sound mixing yeah. is absolutely fascinating. Oh yeah, first first bit of trivia. Mm -hmm. Who knows how they created the sound of the lid coming off of the Ark of the Covenant? I just read this today. It was can I say it? Wait, wait, let's see. Does anybody in the chat know? Does anybody let me go over to the chat comments? Does anybody know? Anybody know? Uh um, Late, so it might take a little bit of extra time. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. We'll get it like in five minutes. Right. Jared, well, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Jared. Jared. Okay. Um, am I frozen? I don't know if no. you can see. Me. No, we can was, see it. Okay, good. It was the lid on the back of his toilet. He was like removing <laughs> it and then sliding because it makes this echoey sound and like yeah. you've got the scraping and stuff. Yep. Yep. That's it's, such a good idea. Yeah, and depending on how long it's been since you cleaned that thing, maybe your face will melt. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Can you, imagine, can you imagine, like, you know, when your job is being a sound mixer, can you imagine being like everything that you hear in life becomes potentially something you're going to use later? Like, everything becomes intentional at that point. Yeah. Like, well, it's like, like being a really great musician or a composer. And you're, everything you hear, you're like, you're thinking in those terms of how you can construct sounds in the right way to have the desired effect. Well, like Katie, yeah, like Katie was saying, um, he when it came to the sound of the boulder rolling at the beginning of the film, he didn't think they had the boulder sound right, and he couldn't figure it out. So he got in his Honda Civic and was driving home, and as, as they're driving across the gravel, leaving, he goes, that's it! Jumps out of, his, out of his car, records the sound, and says, this is the sound of the boulder coming. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And I, yeah. you're right, Katie, yeah. all that stuff kind of... Um, <laughs> and Derek's frozen face is super surprised. <laughs> yeah, and like add to that, like while we're talking about sound mixing, I'm gonna do a quick tangent, real quick too. A quiet place too, right? Yeah. Which is completely they're trying to be absent of sound, and that's when you realize how noisy everyday life is. Right. So it's, like, it's and it's quite a feat to do either to make movies with good sound, but also to make movies without sound because the world is a loud place. So. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's just fascinating. It's something I don't think I could ever do, but but yeah. But I was going to say something about the 4K thing, though, because I thought that that was not going to be a thing anymore. I thought they were, like, eliminating that possibility. What? Yeah, that's what I heard, like, a while ago, but I guess that just was not true. That's 4K no. in general or 4K specific to Indiana Jones? 4K in general. I thought that it wasn't selling well, so they weren't doing it anymore. But I, I guess they're still trying it. Well, I think what I understand is that uh, 4K is just way higher definition than most televisions on the market can actually. And they're not selling get. the TVs anymore, right? Um, I think they are, but they're just, I, I'm not, you know what? I don't know for sure. So anything yeah. I say, I'm just going to be making up. So, okay. <laughs> But I do have a, another question for all of you guys. And Apple Chad. has discontinued prior generation 4K Apple TV from 2017. Yep. That's what I heard. They Some of the, the TVs aren't being made anymore, but I could that could just be certain companies are not doing them anymore. But that, that this is an, a question that I feel like is, is worth asking to you guys and to chat. I personally still buy DVDs. I like having physical copies. 
you can't rely on things to not crash. You can lose all your stuff if things go wrong. So I personally like buy CDs and DVDs, but it is kind of a loss. George Lucas might change the movie and pretend that the original never existed. Imagine that. Is with streaming, as great as streaming is and how much access we have to it, you don't get like the blooper reels, the special features and things like that. And I feel like that alone is what makes buying DVD special because streaming doesn't have that. So you do kind of get something special from buying it. And I love special features. I think you can learn so many, so many fascinating things about the way they made the film. Maybe as a filmmaker, we can learn something too. And of course they always have like, sometimes they'll have costuming things. And of course I love that. So I think that is one, one thing that visual hard media has that streaming doesn't. And I like that. I agree. Amanda says that from a former Best Buy employee, 4K is still a very much a thing. Most movies are now shot with the capability to be shot, be shown in 4K. Did I say 4D? 4D. 4K. It spits yeah. on. Uh, yeah, no, uh, all of my, everybody who I know who's a real hardcore cinephile uh, just loves movies, um, including friend of the show, uh, John Carlos McMaster, who's been on before. Um, gotta get him back on. I, he was a fun guy. We should. He, he's a blast. Um, they they all still buy hard copies. And and I kind of go I kind of go halfway between. I'm like, if it's something I love that I really know that I love this, I'm going to buy a hard copy of it. I'm going to yep. buy Blu-ray, you know, whatever. Uh, if it's just something like, hey, Dumbo, I like Dumbo. Let me let me watch that. You know, yep. that's that's good enough for streaming, you know, not to insult anybody who loves Dumbo. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, this would definitely be on my list of, of a hard copy to pick up, the 4K release. All right. For those of you who are wondering, yes, we're about to talk about Indy 5. We're going to talk about that in just a yeah. second. As Brad said right here, the Hollywood Reporter said this week, the location they are beginning to film Part 5 has a connection to The Last Crusade. Ooh. Interesting. Interesting. I think I know what that is. I'll Germany? talk about it in just a second. But first, real quick, we do have to do the painful part. You know, the painful part. Before you Let's get the address part. the giant boulder in the room. The fourth movie wasn't, according to Out of My Mind Creations, the fourth movie wasn't as bad on a second viewing. I wouldn't know because I've never seen it a second time, in my opinion. And it wasn't awful compared to the other action movies, but just so disappointing as an Indiana Jones movie, especially okay. after the third one. And Mutt. Oh, yeah. Ugh. So, guys, we're giving ourselves five minutes. Okay. And as we look back at Indy 4, why did it work or why did it not work? Cheeseman, you go first. I, I No, I just want to say real quick, I, I didn't get to talk on the 4K thing. The oh, 4K yeah. is being shot because it looks better on a larger screen. So a lot of that, right. it's being filmed for that. And then if you know something's iconic like Indiana Jones that will be shown on outdoor movies, all this other stuff, it's definitely worth them upgrading it to the 4K first doing kind of the Blu-ray 1080 kind of view. So I think we'll continue to see upgrades for movies that still look good, like in theaters, because it has to do with the size of the screen. And yeah, there's 4K TVs, but like the bigger the screen, the better to have like the resolution. So as a filmmaker, I just want to address that. Yeah, Solid yeah. point. That's a great, great point. All right, the question being. Katie. Yes. Have Katie go first. Yes. All right. Yeah, Katie. So uh, I agree with what Out of My Mind Creation said. I think I did see it more than one time, but I agree with the fact that as an Indiana Jones movie, I can see why people think it's disappointing. I can totally understand that. It's, a, it's not the same. It doesn't fit in the same world as the original, the first three movies. And I completely agree with that. 
Um, I do think there are some good things that I did enjoy about it. And I do think that they don't necessarily make it a good movie, but I justified it and it made it a little better. Um, we were talking about the artifacts and the crystal skulls and stuff, but the time that it takes place, sci-fi and aliens and all that stuff was really popular. And I think that they were trying to make that a point, but I right. don't think it read as well as they wanted it to. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just executed not as well as what they probably intended. Um, yeah. Because that was a big thing. The aliens, the sci-fi component was probably popular in that time. Um, right, the I, bias. I will admit it. I had so much love for Shia LaBeouf and I saw it because I loved Shia LaBeouf. I had a Shia LaBeouf t-shirt on. I'm not even kidding you guys. <laughs> um, so I did see it at midnight, saw it there, and I have a little bit of a bias because of that. I haven't watched it probably since it came out. I mean, I think I did watch it like again, like when it came out on DVD, but I haven't watched it in probably a good over 10 years. So, or when did it come out? Yeah, it came out over 10 years ago, right? When did it? Yeah, when did 2000... it? Here. 2008. 2008. Right. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's what I thought. I was like, it came out, I think, when I was in college. So, um, but yeah, so I, it has a hit or miss. I think, I think with Indiana Jones 5, they just need to try to be more genuine to Indiana Jones as a character mm -hmm. and the, the original trilogy and not try to get lost in maybe it was popular at that time that they're making it um, or find a happy balance and not have it be as much of a mess. Cause I think the, the fourth one is a mess, I think is the way that we can put it. But can I, just, I mean, you got to see returns of some characters and everything that mm -hmm. was special. So that was another good thing. Just so, to clarify for people who don't know exactly what, uh, the first two films were throwbacks to the serials of the 30s and 40s, which were popular during the 30s and 40s. And then once we move forward, like you're addressing, sci-fi movies from outer mm -hmm. space became the big thing. Beach blanket bingo meets the killer monsters from the flying saucer. That, that was the 50s and early 60s, and that's what they were trying to capture. So that I, I agree with what you're trying to say there, yeah. 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 So good idea, badly executed. Ben, I think I'll try to nutshell my thoughts. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of fun stuff in Crystal Skull. To be honest, um, there's of course the early on in the film the now infamous scene of Indiana Jones crawling into a lead-lined refrigerator and surviving a nuclear test blast. Yes, which that kind of sets the tone for like this movie is going to be a little more ridiculous than your run-of-the-mill Indiana Jones film. Uh, <laughs> Along those lines, one of my favorite scenes is the ants, the fire ants that consume people down to the bone uh, instantaneously, which is which is fun. But I did like a lot of the aspects of what you wanted from this film. You wanted to see a little bit more old weathered Indiana Jones. It's, of course, in the 50s now. So we're in the heat of the Cold War, pun intended. Uh, and, and now the enemies are not the Nazis anymore. Now they're the Ruskies. Now they're the communists who are, are coming to steal the power. And that was a, a, that was a linear, you know, theme that went back to the other movies. The bad guys, uh, are evil. They're militaristic and they're trying to steal some item of great power. And so that, that, you know, that tracks. Um, but yeah, and of course, Shia LaBeouf was a huge uh, star at the time. We didn't know he was slowly and then really quickly going insane. Yep. And 
and you know, he was, he was the hot ticket actor at the time. And of course he's funny and, and all this and goofy and all this kind of stuff. And it made sense to put him in, in the film, but they kind of teased setting him up as the next Indiana Jones towards oh, the yeah. end there. The, the hat's on the ground. He goes to pick it up. And then Harrison Ford's like, Oh no, Hey, watch it there. Like um, which is all fun and good, but it, it played a little too tongue in cheek uh, in that sense. But there are some nice aspects to it, but the, just at the end when, and, and of course, as Jim was saying, of we're hitting on the, the post Roswell, uh, the space age kind of theme here now that we're into the fifties. And so it makes sense that we would move into kind of an alien thing, but like you said, just what well, didn't get executed. Uh, and there is a small convention here in Southern California that I hope will come back uh, called nuke the fridge which is a reference to that, uh, that infamous scene at the opening of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And Nuke the Fridge is a saying, has over, it has taken the place, for a while it took the place of what was the old saying? Jump the shark. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the website for Nuke the Fridge right now. And it, it's basically a really cool nerd news website if anybody wants to check it out. I, and, I do um, got to say a couple things about, oh, go ahead and read that first. That's Dr. Jones to you, everyone. And then here's, he. Indy 5 is just going to be Dr. Jones to you, hitting up all video stores in real time, throwing out copies of Indy 4. It's going to be a live event, and I'm totally down for it. <laughs> if, if you can find a, a video store, I'm all for it. That's the archaeological yeah. find. What's up, Cheese? Uh, back to the kind of the fridge thing. Um, a cool fact is that originally Back to the Future, like when they're thinking of doing the time machine, one of the ideas that it was like in one of the, I think the original drafts, and I think we might have already talked about this before, was doing the time machine as a refrigerator. So that was in a way kind of a throwback to the beginning days of Back to the Future, but obviously it's good they didn't do it in Back to the Future and they probably shouldn't have done it in this one. Right. And one thing I do want to say about the fourth one, I feel like when I've been you know going back and reading these things and I just kind of, people have probably already said it, but I kind of thought on my own is like, I think Lucas again, having access to CGI and other things and using the practical effects kind of made this film suffer, I think, a little more. Had, you know, that monkey scene probably would not have existed. Oh. Other things oh. with the CGI, since he was kind of in that Star Wars phase of doing all this weird stuff because of CGI, because I feel like that held George Lucas back when he had a little too much use of CGI. So I think if it, why the first three kind of stick out more is because I think the special effects were more limited and they created these great practical effects and looks. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I liked Indy 4 up until the monkey scene. And then, I, and then it stopped. Like, I, I, I basically fell off the cliff with the car at that scene. For one thing, the monkey scene, the, the two, um, the, the Jeep, not the Jeeps, the tanks were CGI on a CGI cliff, in a CG, cliff, a CGI jungle with CGI monkeys. I was like, it was just too much for me. And it, I, but I do have to say this: the one of one of my big complaints, and one of the big complaints of Indy Four, could also be said of Raiders, was that the main characters had little to no effect of what happened. That's true. To the rest of the movie after that, they just were bystanders and, and observers to these people going to get this. They get to get the crystal skull, and they see the spaceship taken off. Indy didn't do anything to cause any difference in what was happening. Just as 
in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thank you. What did he do to cause any difference? It was a question on the Big Bang Theory. It blew Sheldon's mind. Yeah. And it will blow ours. And we got to hurry up, Derek, and then we'll finish up this part of the conversation. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I was I was going to say, I think I can just kind of mostly agree with you guys, but I was, I'd say there are just too many unbelievable things, and it was a little bit removed from the character. It's like they wanted to just revisit stuff and do fan service without really just telling a good story about a character and also play with all those fun special effects. Um, and yeah, speaking of Nuke the Fridge, my buddy Walter Doty, who um, is a really fun nerd, uh, with he has written for a few websites, but he's written for Nuke the Fridge and has done stuff with their video podcast too. Um, we've really got to have him on and do some crossover because I haven't yeah. seen him forever. I guess. Uh, but yeah, like that scene with the fridge is kind of where I started checking out and I, you know, being optimistic, I really wanted to give it a chance. And I, this was when I was living in Edinburgh and I, my girlfriend at the time had never seen any of the Indiana Jones movies. So we watched them all together before that movie came out so we could go see it. And that was how I discovered that Temple of Doom was a prequel because we were watching it and she pointed it out and she's like, Oh, this one's a prequel. I was like, Oh, you're right. Um, cool. Yeah. Anyway, I don't even remember where I was going with this. My favorite thing. One thing I really do like about crystal skull is the Lego Indiana Jones game on Nintendo Wii that we had because I loved, like it was the first Lego game that I had that I played. And I loved the fact that the Lego characters just talked to each other in grunts, which is exactly what I'd been doing with Lego characters up to that point. Like, <laughs> um, and then like this, even the scene with the monkeys is really fun to play with Lego characters. And then when stuff's totally unbelievable, you don't really care. Because it's like, like actors. yeah, when it was actual actors, when it was Harrison Ford and Karen Allen and Shia LaBeouf um, acting out these scenes, and even okay, the legend Kate Blanchett, who you know, of course she's she does she's great in it, but you have that, you have the monkeys, you have these ants that just devour people, like the scarabs in the mummy. Yeah, and just, exactly. There like were so many unbelievable things, and then the yeah. end, it was just kind of wrapping really quickly with. Yeah these interdimensional aliens and it was just stuff that they were being faithful to the, to the Indi what we loved about Indiana Jones, like Ben mentioned in some areas, but they didn't follow through with that really sticking to the characters and really taking us on the kind of journey we wanted to go on. So yes, I don't need to just rehash what everybody else has already said, but I'm with you. Right. Right, no, here's the deal. Mm -hmm. Without Indy four, we may not have an Indy five. So sure. there's, there's something good about it. What we know about or, Indy, we're going to talk Indy, about Indiana Jones would have just been number four, and that would have been fine. Or four point <laughs> five, you know. Every film series needs to have the one that everyone's like, "Ah, eh, that's not the good one." I, I'm making that up. No, Let's start no, watching no. that one. Let's watch the good one. Let's talk about Indy Five. It's coming out next year, supposedly July 2022. Here is what we know so far. It's currently filming in the United Kingdom, and the first set picks have found their way online. Here's mm -hmm. one of them. Here's Indy. That's Kathleen Kennedy. I think that he's with. Looks like. Yeah, yep. it looks like her. And let me. Sh yep, that's Is Kathleen. That Richard Dreyfus. That looks like Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> I, I don't think that's who that is. But I think it's Joe Biden. Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Here's some cool scenes. Here's what's interesting. This right here, if you guys look to the left, uh, to the right, we see a bunch of old cars and stuff, but to the left, we see a train, a locomotive train with a Nazi yeah. symbol. Here's them using that. They recreated the scene at nighttime. And so what they are, okay, 
this they there were we're seeing a, a scene that's being shot in North Yorkshire Moors involving well not yet. We don't really know what the scene is about, but it looks like it's possibly a flashback scene because of a very oh, sweet a very remember how Indy 3 began with the flashback. Well, right. here's something that's going to that's a little unnerving right here. This is a stuntman holding an Indiana Jones mask in his hand. Here is the motorcycle with the man with the Indiana Jones mask on. Oh, shoot. Yeah, that looks like a young Harrison Ford. So what they think is going to happen, it's a young Harrison Ford mask. It was not Harrison Ford as he looks now. The implication is that they're doing a flashback to World War II, which might involve a Ford being de-aged to a younger Indiana Jones. He has gone up against the Nazis before, and it looks like he might be facing them again. Well, um, yeah, I was going to say, at, this, at the age that Harrison is now, obviously he's playing his age in the in the film, for yeah. the most part, we imagine, I guess. But that would place him in the 60s at this point, like in the 1960s at this point. So, uh, yeah, that's why I was like, a swastika on a train? What sense does this make? Right. So, But that mask... The, the stuff they can do with just a quick latex mask now yeah. is insane. Okay. Of course, the CIA's had the technology since the 60s, but whatever. <laughs> now, do you think they'll do a throwback to the River Phoenix scene? Like, it would be cool to see him kind of running across if there's just a few little winks of that kind of opening scene. The that would be fascinating. If there's a train, I think they're going to have him running across it like River Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is what we do know. The Emmy-winning Fleabag sensation, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She has been cast to star opposite Harrison Ford. Harrison Forge. Harrison Ford. Um, also. Hold on. Go ahead. Does that mean, because in the fourth one, like, you know, they brought back Marion and then it ended with this wedding scene. Are they going to just, like, write her out in some way like that? No, no, no. Karen Allen is talking. She talked, did an interview with Forbes magazine, and she said Marion is not done having her story yet either. So Marion, okay. it looks like Marion's going to be back. Okay, which is great. Hopefully, Mutt has gone on and done his. He's left the nest somewhere. Apparently, um, Harrison Ford manages to to have reunions with all the girls from his original works when he was younger. Wouldn't that be great? Like if Kate Capshaw came back. That'd be hilarious. And the thing is, they did cast the villain, Mads. Mads Mickelson. Yes. Really? He's the villain. So who else is? John Williams is doing the music. We all thought it, it was kind of announced that John Williams was retiring from music with the final Star Wars film. But he's back to do Indiana Jones. Maybe he's going to retire with the final Indiana Jones film. Oh, and he was just like, oh, geez, okay, fine. Like, stop making the movies that I did, guys. I can't retire until you stop making the movies. It's, it's terrible, like Michael Jordan or Leonard Nimoy retired, you know, just keep <laughs> coming back. And, well, and the maestro of the movies is coming back this summer to do three performances, three nights at the Hollywood Bowl in the beginning of September. So he's still, he's still going there. strong. It's being um, directed by James Mangold, who did Ford versus Ferrari. Um, and here... It's had a long and torturous development process going back to 2008. Um, they, in 2016, Disney announced the film would be released in 2019 with Spielberg as the director. But th at that time, 
they announced that Lucas would not be very actively involved. Remember, people had soured on Lucas a little bit for some of his involvement with the previous films. So David K. Cope, how do you K O E P P was originally attacked attached yeah, to the writer, but then Jonathan Caston took over. Then Daniel Dan Fogelman, and then Cope reportedly became involved once again. So who knows all the people that are on there right now? And then in February 2020, it was reported that Spielberg was stepping down from the project but would remain on as a hands-on producer yeah. with Mangold, along with um, Kathleen Kennedy. So we don't really know what the heck's going on, but we know that they're filming currently in the UK at a castle. The castle that they're filming, I sent that to you guys this week. If you look at the history... Wait a second. Dave Keith. David Keyless, you are you are out of my mind creations. So good to have you on tonight. Luke, out of my mind creations. That's David Keyless. That's cool. Anyways, so I think Keyless has returned. What? Sorry, sorry, he just texted me. So I think that's all we know about Indy 5, unless any of you guys know anything else about it. I know it's coming out. I know it's coming out, and Ben can once again stay there. Since 2008. Was there something else you're going to show? Like, was there a poster or something? Just real quick. This is the last thing. There's not a lot of things coming out right now that I can find as far as collectibles, but we have this right here. Oh, my goodness gracious. I'll just show it. We have these cool posters that are coming out. Look at that. Let me find. Mm. I haven't. Why did it have to be snakes? I know, I know. Sorry, I did have the description of these posters down, but they have three of them. One, but what's interesting, they're releasing three commemorative posters, one for each of the first three films. So Ben, cool. <laughs> I uh, I think that they kind of agree with Ben that they're not releasing the poster for that fourth film right now. All right, guys. Well, speaking of poster, just real quick with that statement, I, I bet you anything Drew Struzan will come out of retirement to do the new Indiana Jones poster. He was most iconically known for doing, you know, the, yep. the Temple of Doom one, which is just an amazing one. I have a copy of this signed that I got when I met him, but I'm I'm very sure, I bet they'll get him to try to do something for this. I think you're right, Luke. Here's the deal. I I, I saw he was, he's done a couple of interviews this week talking about Indiana Jones posters. I wonder, because he hmm. is quote unquote, quote, unquote, officially retired, but I think he might be coming back to do a poster. I Don't quote me on that, quote, unquote. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks, right here on that hashtag, yeah. the con guy. Hey, guys. Jim Fry confirms. Yeah. So, listen, the one thing that's cool, and, and whenever you hear about these classic films, it's always kind of cool to hear about the stories behind the stories, the stories we didn't know, things that people didn't realize, and – I think there are so many cool stories about the making of Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. And we're going to talk about a few of those. And I know that you guys have all kind of dug in. And and let me start with one. Mm -hmm. the, the idea for this film came when Steven Spielberg and George Lucas took off for a vacation to Hawaii. The weekend that Star Wars opened, May 25th, 1977. They were sitting there on the beach. And George Lucas, he took off as far, as far, far away, get it, get it, as he could get, because he was sure that Star Wars was going to be a bomb, and he didn't want to be around when it was. All of a sudden, they heard the, the reports coming in that Star Wars had exploded in popularity. People were lined up around the block to see it. He, he and Steven said, all right, 
Let's talk about that film we're talking about collaborating on in Indiana. Well, I think it was something else at the time, but maybe one of you guys has that. But anyways, I just thought that was really cool. That's when Indiana Jones was birthed. What else did you guys find out? Well, yeah, let's talk a little more about kind of the origins thing, because originally it was supposed to be called, he was supposed to be called Indiana Smith, but, you know, really? it sounded too similar to something else, which Indiana they got basically from George Lucas's dog. Uh, I got a picture of that here. Was, oh, this was the inspired dog of that was inspired the name Indiana Jones and was also the inspiration for Chewbacca in Star Wars. We oh, that's cool. Indiana. Isn't that why, is that why they made the joke about the, we named the dog Indiana? Yep. So, yeah. Oh, that's it great. It was actually, yeah. Something the name of his dog was actually Indiana. Indiana. And by the way, we are going to go over, Amanda actually sent us some cool facts from her dad that we're going to go on in just, just a minute. I, I want to hear what you guys came up with first. Oh, wait. Can we say I hello? Anything, hey, Andy. Hey, Andy. Hey, Andy. But I'm reading what you put sent us, Luke, and I do want to talk about this one because I'm always interested to see what could have been if who someone else played the characters. And yeah, so, so let's talk about that. But the actors and actresses that were considered for the lead roles of Indiana Jones and his beautiful companion, Marion, included Jane Seymour, Deborah Winger, Mark Harmon, Mary Steepenburton. Mary Steenburgen. That's what I wanted to say, but Michael Bean? Yeah. Sam yeah. Shepard. Valerie Bertinelli, Bruce, I cannot say all these names. Bruce Boxleitner, yeah. Um, Sean Young, Don Johnson, D. Wallace, who went on to be an E.T., uh, Barbara Hershey, and even David Hasselhoff. That's a I very know. interesting list of people. I mean. I never knew about David Hasselhoff. That's incredible. Like, <laughs> it such a different movie if David Hasselhoff had been Indiana Jones. Like. Yes. But also, I could I can picture Jane Seymour being Marion. Like that, I could actually picture her being a really good cast casting choice for that. I can um, picture Jane Seymour doing a lot of things. Yeah, and I Steen Bergen too, or Steen, is it? I always forget if it's Bergen or Bergen, but I I love her. I think you know she would have been great also. But to me, she's always going to be Clara Clayton. Yeah, and like Mark Harmon, that's an interesting interesting choice. Yeah, yeah but I, I don't know what he's doing now. And then it says that for Indy, they eventually settled on Tom Selleck. Oh, but yeah, when right. CBS got wind of what the two were up to, a network legally barred Selleck, the lead of the hit show Magnum P.I., from appearing in the film. So then they suggested, so then Spielberg suggested Harrison Ford as a replacement, but Lucas was reluctant to cast Ford because he was already Han Solo. But Spielberg's quick thinking prevailed, and Ford was added to the cast just two weeks before principal photography began. So. That's interesting. I just thought that they really liked Harrison Ford because they ha he was in Star Wars and then was in Indiana Jones, but it's interesting. Is that really Tom Selleck dressed up for the part? Yeah, because they ended up doing some kind of parody or some sort of thing on Magnum P.I. where they actually, because he oh. was actually signed, well, like, ready to do it and everything, and Spielberg actually wrote him a letter like saying Selleck could work with him anytime. Although I don't know if that ever actually happened, but uh, Spielberg felt really bad. And it was all just because of the contract stuff with uh, Magnum PI yeah. that he wasn't able to do it. And I'm not sure if we mentioned Nick Nolte, Steve Martin, Jack Nicholson, Steve Bill Murray, Martin. Chevy Chase. We might have already said those. Those were all people they were looking at for Indiana Jones as well. 
And, and I do want to say this for, is it Salah? How do you say his name? Salah. Salah. Yeah. So Danny DeVito was originally one of the people that they're looking for as that character. Here's a picture of that that I found online. I feel like it would have just been such a different dynamic too. Oh, look at that. And then I, I found this online that somebody made. Uh, Shirts, very dangerous. We must be cautious. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. very dangerous. But Luke, what do you know the reason why Danny DeVito did not do it? Because he was all wrong for the role. No, he was in Romancing the Stone the next year, and he was, I mean, in 83, and he was great. So mm -hmm. he finally got his adventure role. But Luke, what's the reason Danny couldn't do it? Uh, uh, do you know? Yeah. Uh, please tell us. He was he was one of the main guys on the show Taxi, and ta because of his contract, they wouldn't let him out. TV shows. All right, I've got a piece of trivia for you, and Ben already talked about it. In the opening scene of Raiders, Indy's companion Setipal was played by what now famous actor Ben? Yeah, Alfred Molina. And what other famous spider? And by in that movie. He was covered with spiders and tarantulas. Yes. Which was so foreboding to another great movie that we all know that was very much about spiders. What was it? Spider-Man 2. Arachnophobia. Oh. Spider-Man 2. <laughs> 2004. I just thought it was cool. I didn't know that was his very first credited screen role. That was very cool. All right, Derek, you've got something for us. I do. Something about staples to the head. That was me. Oh Ben, you've got something for us. Now it's it's often been a it's it's kind of an urban legend, but there is video footage to back it up. Of uh, Harrison Ford was in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and his hat kept flying off in a scene, and he grabs a staple gun off of uh, one of the the prop tables or one of the uh, the work tables, and just pink 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 staples his head uh, staples his hat to his forehead. Now this actually uh, has been uh, debunked. It was. Uh, it did not have any staples in it. He did it uh, kind of just to fool with the behind-the-scenes uh, photographers and camera ops who were there to to report on the making of the film. So he didn't actually staple uh, the hat to his forehead, but he did his best to make everyone believe he did. Interesting. Interesting. Luke, you got another one? All right, Derek, you got one. Yeah, I do have one. I was reading recently that while they were filming, I believe it was in Tunisia, they were they were filming the Cairo sets. Everybody got food poisoning except Steven Spielberg because he brought all his own food. He had just a bunch of cans of SpaghettiOs. Yes. John Rhys Davies was so sick. Apparently he even like soiled himself on set in one scene where he like had to bend over for something. Um, it was bad. But you know what? Respect to an actor who will power through. Respect. We got to say this real quick for more Spiel. Oh, wrong one. Sorry. Um, for more tie-in, today is Goonies Day. Goonie was released 33 years ago today. Oh, I would have worn my Goonie cool. shirt. If I had known it was Goonies Day, I would have worn my Goonie shirt. And Jonathan has a question. Um, I'm also wondering if the Uncharted movie might not to Indiana Jones as I they... think it's possible. I think it's very possible. Um, huh. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. The thing about Uncharted is that they we obviously know stuff from the video game, but they haven't released anything else about it other than like a couple pictures of this from the set. So 
gonna be interesting. They're Let me throw in a, a couple from Amanda. Amanda sent these in from her dad. This is kind of cool. Number one, Kat, Kate Capshaw's dress in part two had a wild time on set, in particular during one jungle scene that featured a hungry elephant. Willie, Indy, and Short Round are riding an elephant, and when they stop to make camp, Willie hangs up her dress to dry. In an unscripted moment, I'm sure this had to be unscripted, the elephant began eating her dress, and tearing off the entire back. The um, It was a very, very expensive dress. Costume designer Anthony Powell, who later scrambled to, restro to restore the dress by hand, had to fill out an insurance form. And on the insurance form about the garment, all he could say was, eaten by elephant. I think it's hilarious. The thing about that, the thing that's funny about them putting on insurance, eaten by elephant, is the person who is like going through that claim is like, there's no way they're making that up. Like, I know. Like, also, this is also an interesting one. Like, a dog ate my homework. Like, uh -huh. an elephant ate it. Like, why would someone do that, say that if, it, if they were lying? And here's one we kind of talked about, and, and, and this is kind of a, a cool thing. And then I'm going to throw it back to you guys. Um, think about this. A movie that includes a man pulling the still beating heart out of another much alive man who is then lowered into a searing pool of lava to die is rated a family-friendly PG. Parents and audiences members alike were aghast that this did not get an R rating. And But once the controversy about the violence in Temple of Doom and Gremlins, both released the same summer, both of them produced by Steven Spielberg, by the way, Spielberg wrote to Jack Valente, the president of the MPAA, and suggested to have new reading, new ratings. And that is how the PG-13 rating came out. And I got to say, people complained about that, but Jaws was okay with a family-friendly PG rating. I well, think it's a little different because one's like more of a natural causes, like something like that. And then the nature of the nature behind it in Indiana Jones is a little bit more. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think the other side of that, though, is and Jim, you might remember this because you're 786 years old, but at least uh, PG nowadays, PG might as well be G. Yes, yeah. really, to be honest. And and back in the day, there was G, which was everybody PG yeah. and watch your kids. And R was like, no kids at all. Yeah. And that, right. those were the three. And now mm -hmm. it might as well be G and PG might as well be the same rating. And we might as yep. well just have PG, PG 13 and R. So yeah. it, it just kind of moved up. But PG was kind of the catch all for everything that wasn't, you know, profane yeah. or nudity or violent enough to be. Wait, wait, wait. Well, PG can curse. The original airplane. It's an airplane, an airplane and it's rated yes. PG. Yes, it's rated PG. <laughs> um, Brad mentioned Goonies, right? Goonies yeah. is PG. Goonies is PG um, because the PG thirteen rating wasn't there yet, yeah. believe, right? Because it came out because it came out before, right? It did, yeah. No, what? I came out before what? Goonies, yeah, Goonies was eighty five. Yeah, Goonies was later. Yeah, still the very first PG thirteen movie was Red Dawn, I think. Hmm. What what year did that come out? Sometime around there. As far as I know, and I could be wrong. If I am wrong, internet, please don't. 1984. Like me. 1984 is when the rating came out. Came out. It was when Red Dawn came out. And it's PG-13. Um, I'm looking to see if it was actually the first PG-13. Hey guys, just because it was the first one released in the U.S. with a PG-13 rating. Okay. And okay. We can't go too much longer tonight, but yeah. I'm very uninformed about this. What is the movie Uncharted? I don't know about this movie at all. Jim. Okay. 
Really quick recap. There are a series of games called Uncharted, and they feature a character named Nathan Drake, who's a bit like Indiana Jones. Really, he's kind of just like the male version of Lara Croft, who is kind of the female Indiana Jones. Anyway, um, but he's a cool character. He's a lot of fun. He's going to be played, I guess, by Tom Holland. Tom Holland, yes. And Mark Wahlberg is also in the film. I don't know exactly how that's going. Um, I've only actually Mark Wahlberg. No, I said Mark Wahlberg. Okay. I guess I'm thinking about burgers. And I've been to Wahlberg's, and it's a fun restaurant. uh, but yeah, so he's I I cosplayed as him for our Comic Con when Lara was Lara Croft, and that was quite a lot of fun. But hmm. he's a cool okay. character. It's gonna be interesting to see what they do with the film. That's just quick nutshell. That's, cool. That's good. All right, yeah. some more behind the scenes stuff that fans may not know. Who's got something? Luke, I know well, you I, do. I got. I definitely got some stuff. Ben, do you and have any? I think Derek well, may I'm, know I'm, some I'm, of this too, and I'm sure Ben. Yeah, I was just looking at the list here, and I saw one that I've already known, because you can look at the... Do you mind if I pop Please, it out? Yeah, yeah, jump in. Uh, the, in the Well of Souls, one of the carvings on the wall is, if you freeze mm-hmm. it, is very clearly C-3PO and R2-D2 from the Star Wars franchise. Excellent. Yeah, look right there. Good job. Uh, She's been putting it down there. That's awesome. Nice work. Yeah. And you know the other Star Wars reference in Temple of Doom, right? Yeah. Tell yeah, us, they, please. Well, it starts out there at Club Obi-Wan. Yes, sir. You got that one, yep. Cheese? I didn't What's get that? that one, but I did get this. That was in Raiders. Yep. OBCPO. OBCPO. Oh, yeah. So the plane, <laughs> the, the, mm-hmm. the water plane at the beginning, yeah, had, you know, after Obi-Wan Kenobi and C-3PO, it says OBCPO. And another fun fact is when the plane starts, is the same sound effect as the Millennium Falcon when it was, like, misfunctioning kind of a thing. <laughs> Oh yeah, when the the hypers or the the speed wasn't working and all that kind of stuff. Oh, can I jump in? That who's the you guys know who the um, pilot of the plane? What his name is? That's Jock Lindsay. Mm -hmm. And what's cool is Disney World in Florida actually has a Jock Lindsay bar at their Disney Springs location. Hmm. It's a bar and it's decorated with memorabilia from the movies, including the little. Um, statue at the very beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark is up in the corner. It's a, it's really cool. If you guys ever get a chance to That's check awesome. it out, you should. What else, Cheese? Uh, yeah, just a little more about the Star Wars stuff. So there's E.T. and Crystal Skull as a hieroglyphic. on the wall, And I think there might have been even more of uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 possibly in that. And there's a lot of, you know, as you know, Star Wars crossover with some of the actors and everything. And there's also, because the theory of uh, some of the actors in it, there's a, a theory out there that all this is kind of dream from when Han Solo was, you know, uh, in the Carbonite was <laughs> from, is what Indiana Jones was, because the actor crossover, kind of like that Wizard of Oz thing. And you were there, you know, that kind of <laughs> thing. So that's actually a theory that's out there. And like I said, a lot of the sound effects were kind of recycled as well. Like there's a light saber effect that's even in temple of doom when um what's, what's really yeah where uh when what, where? what's the main girl character's name again willie? yeah willie yeah when willie was getting kind of spinned and all that there's a there's like a lightsaber type noise where she was kind of when she was almost lit that's on fire cool. and all that hey um did you guys ever wonder I always wondered this as a kid, but there's an actual explanation that 
In Raiders of the Lost Ark, in the original film, when Indy jumps and swims out, jumps off the ship and swims out, and he's on the submarine. Yeah. Next scene, he's on the Nazi island. Do you ever wonder how in the world that happened? How Every time. Submarines go under the water. How? A lot of people are saying, wow, could he hold his breath that long? I didn't know it, but um, they actually filmed a scene of the periscope above the water with Indy hanging onto the back being dragged through the water. <laughs> but um, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were like, uh, that's a little too far-fetched. Huh. Really? <laughs> so we're, we're more inclined to believe that he just held his breath the whole time? Look, a lot of America did it. Also, they originally had 2,000 snakes in the Well of Souls. Steven Spielberg was like, no, we need at least 7,000 more. So they, what they did, they went and raided every pet shop in London because they were filming over there. They ended up with 10,000 snakes plus, plus they had a bunch of hoses that they cut up to lay down as the groundwork to make it look like snakes. So they And, oh, and so, lizards. So did they There's just a special type of lizard. Wait, did is that the, what is it, Lou? A legless lizard they use because, you know, they don't bite and they look a lot like snakes, except they have like eyelids and they can blink and some other stuff. But they look a lot like snakes. But that's technically a lizard that I'm showing right now. On the screen. I don't understand why there's this distinction. Why don't they just call them snakes? At yeah, that's a snake. That's a snake. That's not a lizard. I've well, seen these before on those like animal shows on TV. Also, I'm like, no, yeah. that's a snake. There also, are important physiological differences. That is a ear. That is a lizard. Without killing, <laughs> wouldn't that mean that the first snake was a lizard? Because they've made snakes that never mind. Okay, okay don't worry about it. Over anyway, did that? Did they just go to pet stores and be like, "Can we rent your snakes?" Like, they, I don't there's know. no way they bought. There's no and way they bought ten thousand snakes. Were they like, you better bring this exact snake back to us? And they're like, sure we will. There's only 9,999 other ones we have to pick it out from. Out of my mind creations, David. It's a bratwurst with a face. And Amanda, of course, legless lizards are super cool. Amanda, who has a lizard and that she loves oh, yeah. like her own life. No, oh. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. it no. Mm -mm. Is a bearded <laughs> dragon? Bearded dragon, by the way, yeah. Eastman, give us some more facts. Uh, this one's pretty awesome. I don't know if you guys are aware, but uh, Steven Spielberg originally was really wanting to do a James Bond movie before all this, and oh, yeah? which would be amazing if he'd even do that now. I wish that was still a desire of his because I think he'd be perfect. But there's a lot of kind of like references throughout, like how Short Round was introduced was like how like Bond, James Bond, like like they did the same kind of phrasing with Short Round, and then. Obviously, in Temple of Doom, this outfit was a very big reference to a James Bond. Oh, oh look at that. I never noticed that. He's wearing. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, when we're at uh, Indy's home, he's dressed kind of like, I don't know, he's got like a smoking jacket or something that's a little weird. Apparently, he was the cut scene that was going to be going on right before that was he was entertaining a woman there, and you're supposed to like see her leaving. And then the next scene, he was, um, I forget if it's Marcus or who goes to see him there. But, um, they ended up cutting that because Steven Spielberg said it just him being this womanizer didn't really fit with the character. But originally they wanted to have given this worldly persona. Yeah, they filmed it. Yeah. If he wanted to direct a James Bond film, is that why Sean Connery was cast in the third movie? 
Oh, that was a big part of it too. And and the guy who shoots him at the end was a Bond villain that shoots Sean Connery, and it was with a James Bond gun, is what people said. Oh, wow. really? That's like a big time like Easter egg that it was like a James Bond gun that shot Sean Connery by a Bond villain. Nice. Whoa. All right, I've got one. So Steve, Steven Spielberg and Melissa Matheson, during the breaks of filming Indiana Jones, Matheson, she was there to visit her husband at the time, who was Harrison Ford. They wrote a script during the breaks of filming Indiana Jones. It was a cool little script. Spielberg was dictating to her a story that he had. What do you think that script was? Just tell us, Jim. E.T. the Extraterrestrial. He wrote it in his breaks while filming. I, I tell you what, that's pretty freaking amazing. Pretty freaking amazing. Who, by the way, Kathleen Kennedy was an assistant to the producer on on India on Raiders of the Lost Ark, get, which was pretty amazing. Guess what her first producing credit is? E.T. again. I think it's E.T. Yes. Yeah. And as much as like there's been some, you know, there's controversy about whether people love the way Star Wars is going right now or not. Kathleen Kennedy, if you look at her her resume, she's probably the single most accomplished producer besides Steven Spielberg in this town in, in the in the in the world. It's amazing. Anytime anybody starts bitching about Kathleen Kennedy in person or online, I say, have you no respect? Yes! Elders, yeah. have seen this woman's resume? Go to your room. All right. Cheese me. Give us another one. I uh, just wanted to kind of bring up, and I'm not sure if you guys read the story, too, of how Short Round was cast. So his brother actually auditioned for the part. And then he was in there kind of bossing his brother around and telling him how to like do the lines and all that. And they're like, wow, this feels like a 50 year old man in a child's body or something where Spielberg just, they just really liked his personality and he ended up getting casted and he was there for his brother's audition. And then they're like, well, let's get him on tape. And I think they did the card scene was what his audition was with Harrison Ford. Like Harrison Ford was there actually doing the auditions, but it was a very kind of, crazy way of how he got cast because a lot of times you know with these child actors they see so many people but then they're like who's that kid edward furlong let's make him be you know john connor you know it's kind of cool how a lot of people are cool. discovered. And let's just do a couple more of these behind the scenes before we wrap up luke do you have any that you particularly have set up and ready to go by the way amanda Am oh wait that's luke's go that's that not amanda, amanda. <laughs> I, I just want to say amanda guessed yes it was et she, hey guys is it et go ahead luke she knew it yeah, so the face melting, the iconic scene from Raiders of Lost Ark uh, was actually filmed as a time lapse of like slowly kind of melting and then they sped it up. So just for you special effects people, like it, it was kind of, yeah, it was really interesting to know, like, yeah, it was kind of a slow burn and not necessarily like they melted it. And that's what I think gives it such that dramatic kind of transformation that it ended up being. I've got one for you, Cheeseman. <laughs> When Marion is hanging over the Well of Souls, the snakes. Derek, is this the one you were looking at? No, I was just I was just highlighting it because this is so wild to me. Do you want to say yeah. what you say it? All right. So Karen Allen's stunt double um, did not want to stand where the snakes were. Uh, so Steven Spielberg approached the snake handler and said, How do you feel about shaving your legs and wearing a dress? <laughs> and so Stephen Edge, the snake handler, ended up being the double for those scenes. So we, it's actually a man's legs that you're seeing there and not, um, yeah, not Karen Allen or her stunt double. I don't blame her. I would not want to do that either. I wouldn't either. Oh 
But a snake handler, when that's his job. Yeah. You know. oh, um, anything else that before we kind of end it for tonight? Because this is a, some really cool stuff. Um, I do like the story about Lawrence Kasdan getting hired, too. Um, What's that? Uh, by the way, Lawrence Kasdan from West Virginia, quite the legend. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're probably related. But uh, Steven Spielberg recommended him, and he said, okay, George Lucas is going to try and hire you to write the sequel to American Graffiti. Make sure you tell him no. Um, but they had a conversation, hired him to write the script, and then when he... Um, I think he brought the script in, and before George Lucas even read it, he asked him to write The Empire Strikes Back. Which, oh, it's amazing. That was a smart move. Um, you know, I know George Lucas hasn't always made the best choices, but he has made some really good ones, too. And hiring Lawrence Kasdan is one of his best. Like Ben just said, respect your elders. The man made the first three Star Wars films, which were mm -hmm. just absolutely brilliant. So, and, and he made Clone Wars with Dave Filoni. So he did some good stuff there. Uh, all the respect to George Lucas. I, uh, real quick, there's a Betsy. She goes, this is, you can read a loop. Uh, my mom contacted me. I just told her to go ahead and post it on there. But she said, I know it's a little late, but the Magnum PI, you know, that, that still we saw was from a Magnum PI episode. That was a parody of Lost Ark in 1988. And the episode was called Legend of the Lost Ark. Art. Art. That's funny. Art, not art. All right, and I'm looking one up. There's one that Amanda is encouraging me to read that is not on my list. Oh, my goodness. Let me look. I got it right here. I can open this back up. But there is one. The thing that's kind of interesting while I open this up is the movie kind of demonstrates this movie and – keeps on opening up. This movie and um, Empire Strikes Back. Harrison Ford is a master of improv. He can just, like, when it comes to improving uh, things on set, for example – the the famous line I have it right here. Da, 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 da. Oh, Hi, yeah, Jim. it makes it less stressful, Luke. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm trying to do have all these things open up, but there's a. Line. I will say something about improv as you're finding this. So Please back do. to what Derek was kind of saying, you know, like people getting sick on set when they had, you know, and I think we've talked about this before when Harrison shot the guy twirling all the swords and all that. That's because Harrison Ford was sick that day. And had already been doing enough stuff, so they kind of came up with that kind of last minute. And then also the actor that played Salah, like uh, supposedly there was a scene that wasn't used in the movie that because he was sick, there was a scene he squatted down and he crapped his pants right there <laughs> on set in front of everybody. But let me um, find the one that Amanda was. Oh, here we go. Oh, this is funny. A little more than halfway through the the third film, um, I almost said final, but sorry, Ben. The third film, Indy and Henry, they were talking over a private table while hiding out on a German Zeppelin. Unbeknownst to viewers, beneath the table, neither Harrison Ford nor Sean Connery are wearing pants. Excessive heat on the set prompted Connery. Connery was the first. He just removed his pants. So Ford, all right, what the hell? Off they come. I thought. <laughs> well, that's how we do this podcast every week, Jim. I know. I know. You're wearing pants. I was going to say 2020. No one, everyone relates to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm wearing shorts with this Indiana Jones outfit. Yeah, well, I was going to say. There was one line. I'm, I'm having a hard time finding it on my notes, which are all over the place. But the famous line when Wendy go, when Indy says, "It's not the mileage. It's the." Or it's not the years. Not, it's the mileage. Not the years. It's the mileage. Yeah, Harrison Ford ad-libbed that. 
and which I, and, uh, you know, he famously ad libbed the "I love you." I know. I know. In Empire Strikes Back, but there's clear. also a very cool ad lib scene. Like, um, hey, to be clear, Jim, that wasn't yeah. just a straight ad lib where he surprised everybody on set because that's sometimes yeah. not a nice thing to do to fellow actors if they're not ready for it. But he did right. like had kind of like with the with shooting the guy. He had the idea, talked to the director, and they they were let together said, "Oh yeah, let's do that," and came to the yep. agreement ahead of time. So here's another ad lib. This is kind of cool, Al. Karen Allen and the actor Paul Freeman, who plays Bellic, they improvised the scene where she is in his tent and she hides a knife underneath her dress. You know, she because the script had her changing to a nicer dress, a nice seductive dress to be dangled over the snakes. But she was trying to figure out what's the reason for the dress? Why did she get into it? And she thought it would be very cool, a cool callback to the drinking game in the beginning of the movie where that introduces her character. So, you know, she gets him drunk. And I thought it was brilliant. I always thought that was part of the script. I didn't know that that was improvised. Good for Karen Allen. What a great yeah. improv scene where that, I love the way that is a callback to the beginning of the movie. If we don't, one more, one more, one more, last one. Oh, the film originally had, We're only at 87 minutes. The, the film originally had an R rating, but they added a, a flame in front of the, one of the melting faces to kind of, Tone it down just a little bit. Cheese, do you have any more before we end? Yeah, no, it's not scary one at all. More. No, we're cutting it off. Yeah, I, I just want to bring up what some of our audience, Andy, was saying. Quick question: Have any of you watched Young Indiana Jones? I'm watching right now, and it's pretty River, good. River Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, River Phoenix. Well, I was gonna say Ben. Shock Patrick Flannery and um, oh, oh yeah, Sean Sean Patrick 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 that's what it is. And Corey River Carrier. Phoenix. River Phoenix plays him in the movie. Sean Patrick yeah. Flannery played him in the show. Yeah. That's right. My my bad. Yeah. Corey Carrier plays the even younger Indy, who's like 12 years old. And then George Hall is the actor who plays the very old Indy in like the modern times at the beginning and end, which you can't get now because that was how it originally aired. And George Lucas doesn't like to let you have the original versions of things. Another fact in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Indy was talking to his son about Pontevilla, which was one of the episodes of Young Indiana Jones. That's cool. Yes, I remember that. And I know to Katie's consternation, I got one last fact. In India, in the original Raiders, don't say last unless you're gonna mean it. A okay, pilot, when Indiana Jones escapes from the well of souls and he's escaping in the plane and he goes and he knocks out the pilot in the plane. To Derek's point, everybody on set was sick, including all the stuntmen. So that was Frank Marshall, the producer, who had to fill in and get knocked out in the cockpit of the plane. Guys, and thank you so that much. final fact. We move on to the second half of our program for tonight, <laughs> guys. Indiana Jones, the whole series, the first one, Raiders of the Lost Ark, was turned down for by every major studio before Paramount picked it up. And now that first film is in the Smith. It's in, it is, it's been, it was added to the National Film Registry by the United States Library of Commerce because of its aesthetic significance. So it was turned down, it became an institution, and now it's a part of history. Thank you guys for watching tonight. My name is Jim. I am... One of your long-winded co-hosts here on the Con Guy Show. Who else do we have that's saying goodbye tonight? Derek. Hi, I'm Derek. I'm a regular here. Um, you can check out some of my articles on theconguy.com. Um, see you again soon. Katie. 
I'm Katie, aka the one, the only con girl representing tonight. Uh, you can find me on all social media, KT underscore Christine. Uh, I've been taking a small break from Twitch, but also been on social social media, trying to get more active with the con girls, trying to plan some cool shows for you guys. So thanks for watching tonight. Cool, cool. Oh, I'm gonna go last. I have one okay. last thing I'm gonna show. Hey everyone, it's me, old buddy Ben Cleaver, and I forgot my red cup tonight, but why am I drinking out of the cup of a carpenter? Because I have eternal life. Um, the, actually, <laughs> earlier in the comments, Jonathan Wilkinson uh, came up with a, a good point. He said, you know, it, Indy drank out of the cup, out of the Holy Grail in Indy 3, so doesn't that mean he has eternal life now? But then again, he is getting older, but so did the knight who was guarding uh, the, the- However, they oh. left the temple. Like, yeah, it's only through there. They stay in the temple and guard it. Uh, also, they broke a yeah. rule with like taking the the cup past the seal and that might yeah. have messed with the whole ah, yes. thing. Um, I don't really know for sure. I need to go back and rewatch it. One yes, more reason to do so. Uh, you can find me on social media. I'm mostly active on Twitter and Instagram. Gosh, I got to get better on Twitter. But you can find me at B-E-N-K-L-I-E-W-E-R, or you can search the hashtag BK421. I use it in most of my posts. And uh, I'm going to be working uh, on a lot of fun stuff coming up on THS. We're trying to crank out some cool stuff. So keep your eyes peeled on that hashtag show.com for more fun stuff with me and others in the future. <laughs> <laughs> And I am Cheeseman. You can find me on both Instagram and on Twitter at Cheese on Couch and on theconguy.com. And also check out thescareguy.com. Thanks for listening to The Con Guy Show, the official program of theconguy.com. Find us on the Weebie Geeks Collective or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And now on sci-fi.radio, Saturdays at 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific, both AM and PM. That's 9 o'clock Greenwich. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.